Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Just want to welcome all of you here today, and even on our online community, it is our baptism Sabbath. What a way to celebrate, right? I have been I have been, what's the proper word? I have been trying to dodge the pulpit today. And I did everything possible to try to avoid having to give a good word, a comfort word, a hopeful word to people when I'm like, I need a word. I'm grieving. I'm in pain. I called the pastor, pastor, and he reassured me that I was the one to preach the word today. I kept telling myself all week, I'm not ready. I'm not. What am I going to say? What am I? How can I give a word to people when I could possibly? I'm just not qualified to do that. I'm not experienced in that field to just come alongside you and give you a, a word of hope to reassure you of the blessed hope that we're going to see Jen again. And I've been holding back my tears all week. I'm like, get it together, toughen up. Like I was in this boxing ring, having to fight off all these emotions. And then prayer happens. And then I'm just a mess. And I'm like, I can't be crying. I'm going to be on camera. <laughs> they don't see me. I'm telling JB, is there anything in my nose, my eyes? Am I good? But that was a good, good cry. And I thank you for praise and worship, for ushering me into the presence of God. Music is so, so important. It's like your weapon. Like you get, like you get in this vehicle and you drive to the church and all you can do is just get excited. It's like your preparation to receive the word so thank you so much for the praise and worship it truly was and for the prayer that was given um, we are also celebrating a month that we have been growing without the pastor we're alive the church has not burnt down or anything we have two more months but who's counting praise the lord somebody we are still moving forward and so Amen. Amen. And so I had a word and then I had to switch the word and God gave me a new word. And so the title of today's sermon is I see you. I see you. I come from a perfect Brady bunch, a Brady bunch of six kids. And so I don't know if you have heard of the Brady bunch. It was a sitcom that came out in the sixties. So if you're a millennial or probably later, you probably don't know what the Brady bunch is. The Brady Bunch is a sitcom of a large blended family of three girls and three boys. Most of you know it. We aren't my family. We aren't a blended family, but we did have the perfect blend of three boys and three girls growing up. 
we took on their character and I was the youngest girl. And being that I was the youngest girl, I also had to be the youngest character in the Brady Bunch, who was Cindy. Now, if you followed Cindy, I am nothing like Cindy. Like, no way. Like, I was so annoyed being in my family and they would call me Cindy. Cindy had freckles. I don't have freckles. She wore these pigtails. She talked funny. She just dressed like a little girl. I hated to be Cindy, but yet they followed on with calling me Cindy. And to be honest, I didn't want to be Cindy. I wanted to be Marsha. Marsha was the oldest in the family. She was the one that wore the cute clothes and everybody looked at her. She was the captain of the cheerleading squad. She dated the captain of the football team. She got all the attention. I wanted to be Marsha. Being the youngest girl in my family also meant receiving all the hand-me-downs from the oldest to the second, and then it followed down to me, and I got the, the, the pants with the patches on them. Y'all don't know nothing about patches, huh? I got the patches and the creases, and my mama said, if it ain't broke, you can't buy it. Like, we don't need a new one. So I got all the hand-me-downs. By the time they got to me, well, they were faded. Being the youngest girl also meant that I was overlooked in weddings because culturally, the oldest girl got selected to be in the wedding and then there was another girl before me and then she got selected. So I was never selected. And then when I finally got selected, the, the wedding was on the Sabbath. And my parents were like, no, you can't go. So the first wedding I was in was in my own. I'm not trying to give you a pity party or anything, but being the youngest girl also meant that I was overlooked a lot. I even taught myself how to drive because with four siblings above me, my parents didn't think that we needed another driver's license in the family. So I would just take the car and teach myself how to drive. I got my own driver's license and as I got older, I realized also the importance of being hidden by design. They didn't see me, but God saw me. It was all part of his plan. All of those areas are training ground for serving. I'm going to read where our scripture comes from, and then I will pray us into our sermon. The scripture comes from, it's short. I'm gonna draw a sermon just on a couple verses. And if you can all stand while I read the word, it comes from Acts 1 verse 21 through 26. And it says this, so now we must choose another man to take Judas place. It must be someone who has been with us all the time we were with the Lord Jesus. It must be someone who has been with us all the time we were with the Lord Jesus. It must be someone who has been with us all the time we were with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John and the day he was taken from us into heaven, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph and Matthias. Then they all prayed for the right man to be chosen. Oh Lord, they said, you know every heart, show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas, the traitor in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots and in this way, Matthias was chosen. 
and he became an apostle with the other 11. I see you. Let us pray. Father God, we are just so grateful for the word. We are just so grateful for your love, for choosing us, for seeing us, for loving us. So Lord, go before me. May every word that comes out of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. May every ear be in tune with your word, not mine. I ask these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So the question is posed. Who is Matthias? Matthias is chosen. Who is he? I'm a very detailed person. I mean, that's all they tell us. Matthias is only mentioned in that text. Like there's a whole Bible and all they tell us about Matthias was that he was chosen to be the person to take over Judas' place. If you read through all of this, I mean, I, I, that just doesn't give me enough information. I'm the kind of person that if I text you a detailed text and all you do is give me a thumbs up, I'm like, really? That's it? Or if you say, okay, like, that's it? I just gave you five paragraphs. And all they say in this text was Matthias is chosen. Like that's just not enough details for me. Who is Matthias? I've never seen him through the Bible. So there was only one requirement that was required for him to be selected on this A-team. I mean, there was a spot to be filled and Matthias was chosen. So I, I just had to make a lot of spiritual assumptions along with um, getting this requirement taken care of. So if you just follow along with me, uh, normally when a selection is made in today's world, we would have an interview, right? We would check the resume, perhaps post an ad, we'd go on Facebook, share the, you know, the post, anyone interested in being part of the 12. And so I thought, what kind of questions would we ask him, right? Like Matthias, what kind of questions would we ask him? Uh, why do you want to be an apostle? Questions like, what experience do you have? What's Jesus' middle name, right? Like, how many people have you baptized? Have you ever preached the word? Have you read through the whole Bible? How many years of experience do you have in ministry? Think about that. It's like, what's your background check? It can get pretty heated because this may have been the only person that Jesus did not personally select. Like, this was the only person Jesus did not personally select. So you have to be really, really careful on who you choose. The requirements here were simple. He only had to have one thing on his resume. He had to have been with us all the time from the time Jesus was baptized until he was taken from them to heaven. So that gives you an approximate what? Three years or so? He had to have been with Jesus. That's like not missing one day of church. Like, can you honestly say for the past three years, you have been to every function in church without missing one day, without calling sick? That, that three years. That's a, he walked where they walked. He stood where they stood. He traveled where they traveled. He ate where they ate. He was everywhere Jesus was in those three years. Did he have a job? Did he have a family? Did his wife support him doing that? Like, okay, babe, you know, I, got, I can't be working because I got to follow Jesus. 
What does that look like? I mean, I thought of every miracle. Was he there with the feeding of the 5,000? Was he there when Peter walked on water? Was he there when Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman? He had to be everywhere Jesus walked. Think about that. Like that's like giving up your life, your schedule for three years to follow Jesus. That was the only requirement and he was chosen. Before the selection, Matthias probably looked at himself, possibly as someone who just, I don't know, didn't have any gifts to give Jesus, but he could follow Jesus. That didn't require a gift. He probably felt maybe like he was inadequate. I'm pretty sure when he was a little kid, following Jesus or being part of the 12 wasn't even on his vision board. That wasn't his goal in life. That wasn't his mission. He didn't grow up in a house where he told his parents, my dream is to be part of the 12. No, he just followed Jesus, period. He just followed Jesus. Sounds easy, right? Brianna, I have a few things to say to you. And it's along with everyone else. Being that she just baptized today, and we've baptized quite a few people in this church. Amen. God has brought you to us to continue your walk with the Lord. And there are a few myths that we have to straighten out when we first start our walk with Christ. Myth number one, or things that have proven to be false. The second you are baptized, your problems are all solved. <laughs> True or false? <laughs> This is not biblical. I'm here to tell you this isn't biblical. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 through 9 says, we are hard pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and we keep going. That's what the Bible says. Number two, another myth. All the problems you ever go through are in the Bible. You know, when you go through something, let me look through the Bible. Somebody went through this. God tells us many things in his word, many. But he still requires us to walk by faith. And by faith and not by sight. This means this book, the Bible gives you a good word to follow by the prompting of the Holy Spirit and from the counsel of godly friends. So surround yourself with godly friends that will help you with your walk with God. The third myth I wanted to say is if you're going through a storm, it's probably because you are unspiritual. Let me tell you, the enemy is real. And when you're attacked, it is proof that you, you represent a threat to his kingdom. The greater the struggle, the greater the victory. And the fourth myth that I've always been told, being exposed to sound Bible teaching automatically solves your problems. <laughs> It'll help you solve your problems, but it won't solve them for you. <laughs> And your mama can't solve them either, Brianna. <laughs> Because I know we always want to call our mom and my mom. Yes, those are moments where you have to call on the Lord 
You must be a doer of the word and not a hearer. Ephesians 6 verse 10 through 11 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor, not just your shoes, not just your hat. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. See, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more faith. We grow in him. I'm thinking about Matthias. The more time he followed Jesus, I'm, a, I'm, I'm imagining his faith grew a lot. Because when your faith honors God, God honors your faith. When your faith honors God, God honors your faith. So number one, there were three things in Matthias' life that would add value to yours. There are three things that I saw. Number one, you got to release the spotlight. Release the spotlight. Matthias, I'm just imagining, he was like, he didn't like the spotlight. He didn't like the spotlight because nobody knew about him. Nobody knew of him. In fact, Matthias was the kind of guy that liked to stand and hold the spotlight for other people. He preferred to let other people shine. He didn't want to put himself on a pedestal. He was the kind of guy that watched, observed, he pursued, he partaked. Matthias is like our mystery man. He's like the mystery man. He probably looked at himself as someone perhaps who wanted to join in, but just wanted to take the back seat just for a little bit. Math I don't know about what Jesus would do today, but I'm going to... I'm going to imagine that even when Jesus was in the circle, Jesus saw him but said nothing. You know, he saw everywhere he went, he knew Matthias was present. And all Matthias wanted to do, like every morning, literally, he just wanted to wake up and follow Jesus. He didn't care if he had no sleep, zero sleep, no food. He woke up with the intention and the decision just to follow Jesus. Matthias is that kind that... He was probably that kind of guy that was in life groups. He was the guy that was in Wednesday night Bible study. He was the first one to church and the last one to leave. Can you imagine someone coming before Keith and being and leaving before Keith? Can you imagine that? Like that would be wonderful for Keith. Matthias was the one that came in and he cleaned up and he set up. He, he probably is the one that owns the 80 Chevy in the back parked in the corner. Nobody knew that that was his car, but that was his car. Even if he didn't have a vehicle, Matthias was the one that caught the bus to get here. It didn't matter because he had one thing in mind. He was going to follow Jesus. Nothing was going to stop him. Nothing. He was that yes guy. You have a yes? Do we have a yes guy in our church? Like no matter what the question is, it's like, yes, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. There's a story told of a gentleman who visited a church and he would just sit in the corner. And this, this pastor had shared this story. He would just sit in the corner, observe by himself. And after church, he was very intentional about being the last one to shake the pastor's hand. And he would go up to the pastor and he would say, pastor, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? The pastor didn't bother. You know, he's like, oh, thank you. Nice to see you. But every Sabbath, that same gentleman would be the last one to leave and he would shake the pastor's hand and said, my answer's yes, now what's the question? The pastor was a little, you know, perhaps wanted to talk to him more, so he asked him out for lunch. They went out to lunch and he said, what's, what's up with this question? What's up with this? The answer's yes, now what's the question? He says, I just want to serve Jesus. Jesus. 
And he gives him his long testimony of where he has been, what he has done. He was incarcerated and all these things that have happened in his life. And he said, there's nothing I wouldn't do for the one who died for me. My answer is yes, pastor. Now what's the question? What's the question? How many of us can even say that? The answer is yes. Now what is the question? This was Matthias. He was the yes man. Now what's the question? I'm reminded of that song. Um, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. When the Spirit speaks to me, I will answer and agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Can you honestly say yes to any question God asks you? Can you? Number two, we got to release the comparison trap. Now, this is my favorite because I am, this is me. Like, comparison trap is me. Like, I wrote this maybe the longest portion of the sermon. Release the comparison trap. I mean, if you go back to the story of Matthias, Matthias stood alongside Joseph, and there were two people to be chosen for this position to take over Judas. Judas, now I'm assuming Matthias stood there shoulder to shoulder, probably comparing whose shoulders are bigger, who weighs less, who does more, whose gift is bigger, whose gift is louder. Perhaps he, he had a six pack and he didn't. Perhaps he preached more sermons than he did. Perhaps he had more to give, more money, whatever it may be. We gotta release the comparison trap because it will keep you stuck. It will keep you stuck. I'm pretty sure as they stood shoulder to shoulder, they probably have comparisons of like, I don't know if he was there with Bartimaeus. I didn't see him. He was probably sleeping. He wasn't there when Jesus cursed the fig of the tree. There's something about comparing your weaknesses to someone else's strengths. Something about that. It keeps you from, it keeps you from moving forward from God blessing what you already have. Let me tell you, there are times where I feel insecure, inadequate, and I begin to bury myself in my self-pity. And many times God is like, listen here, you can either live in the confidence of my calling over your life or hang out with your insecurities, but you can't have both. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? I struggle with that. I struggle with not being qualified to stand up here. I struggle with not having the education to support my stance right here. I struggle standing next to people who are just highly qualified, who talk a certain way, dress a certain way. I begin to compare myself and suddenly I just begin to backpedal back and I'm like, I'm good. I'm just going to stay right here. It keeps me from moving forward. This is what God does. God has given each one of us a gift. And if you don't use your gift, the people who you think are better than you can't grow. They need you. They need you to grow. God can still use you. God still used Gideon. He was afraid. God still used Moses. Moses was a murderer. God used David. David was a what? No, you guys said <laughs> he was a lot, <laughs> but.
but he was still a man after God's own heart, right? Yes. He used Abe, Rahab, a prostitute, Abraham, he was old, Elijah, he battled depression. John the Baptist, who ate bugs, he was like a vegan. Sorry, vegan people. He just ate bugs. That's it. God, I'm so glad God doesn't have a comparison chart. He simply just sees you. He said, I see you. I see you, boo-boo. He chooses you according to your potential, not your perfection. According to your potential, he will take what you have already, not what you're going to get, not what you're going to borrow, what you have already. There's a story in the Bible that I love in Exodus 35 where Moses appeals to the people and he says, this is what I need for the temple. I need this, this, this. And if you have this gift, I need that as well. But I need anything that you have already and bring it to the temple. Not what you can borrow, not what you can go get, not wait till payday. Don't pay, post date the check or nothing. I need what you have right now. And all the people of the land, they just started getting, they went back home. They gathered everything that they had already and gave it to Moses and the temple and the craftsmen had to come to Moses and he was like, yo man, Moses, you got to tell your peeps to stop. We got too much stuff. They're bringing in too many gifts. They're bringing in too much stuff. We, we have no room to store it. Moses had to go back to his peeps. Yo, it's too much. Now you got to stop. Imagine being in church and every need is fulfilled and we have to be like, yo, we good, peeps. We don't need volunteers. We don't need people to bring food. We good. The church is paid off. We good. Imagine that. God simply says, just give me what you have already. That's it. Some of us struggle with that. I can't sing. I can't cook. What do you have already? What you got? God's like, bring what you have already. Matthias didn't have much. I don't want you to miss this part. He just wanted to follow Jesus. He wasn't the captain of the football team. He was an MVP. He was nowhere in the Bible. He wasn't even heard of. He wasn't a manager of any company. Matthias was chosen for one thing and one thing only. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to tweet this. It is big. It is life-changing. It is transformational. Matthias was faithful in following Jesus, hold up, when no one was watching. When no one was watching. Faithfulness and integrity? Wow. Drop the mic. He was faithful when no one was watching. not concerned about being called to the pulpit. He just wanted to follow Jesus. He was okay with, okay with cleaning the pews. He was okay with cleaning the bathrooms, taking out the trash, whatever it is to fulfill the mission of the church, he was okay with doing that. He just wanted to be a space, in a space where he was learning, he was growing, he was moving, always present. All he wanted to do was follow Jesus. 
Matthias was like the unspoken hero because of his deeds and everything that he did, because of his devotion, his faithfulness. I remember a time in ministry where I just wanted to just go to the pulpit and preach the word. Like, Lord, I'm ready. Give me the word. I can preach. And God's like, oh, no, you ain't ready. You gonna mess this church up. You ain't ready. So what God did, he had to put me through so much ministry, so much. And I kept saying, give me the mic. I can preach the word. God's like, oh, no, you're not ready. You ain't ready. He took me through so many leadership in ministry because there were things I had to learn in every ministry before I could step behind this pulpit. He had allowed me to go through women's ministry, health ministry, fitness ministry, children's ministry, pathfinder leader, youth leader, lay leader, social committee. I was the leader of every ministry possible on the church roster. Every, like they just rotate me around each one. I'm like, I, I wanna go to the pulpit. They just kept rotating me for years. I kept on doing it and God took me through every leadership, learning something. Children's ministry taught me patience. I was in children's ministry for a long. Youth ministry taught me kindness and gentleness. Pathfinder ministry taught me unity. Women's ministry taught me humility. Yes, women's ministry taught me humility. Social committee taught me how to serve and serving in a Samoan church taught me self-control. Being a stay-at-home mom. Like there were years I was a stay-at-home mom and I hated that word. Like telling people I was a stay-at-home mom was like they looked at you in a way where you were just below, below. So I had to change my name. What you do? I'm a domestic engineer. <laughs> I do it all. First it was a domestic goddess. I'm like, oh, that just seems kind of you know, too much because I don't dress like a goddess. But I'm like, okay, domestic engineer. And they'd be like, oh, what's that? Oh, I do it all. I do it all. Being a stay-at-home mom, dependent spouse, active duty serviceman to my husband, you know, always hiding in the shadows, being in the shadow of other people, supporting them, their dream, their vision, whatever it is. But God had me there for a reason. I was hidden by design. Jesus was still saying, I see you. I see you. No matter who you are, it doesn't change who he is. No matter who you are, what you do, it doesn't change who he is. And let me tell you, when I rode on the coattails of my husband, supporting as a dependent spouse, I seen the hand of God move. I seen my mortgage be paid. I seen my income go up. I didn't have a job. I seen my car payment get done. I seen the hand of God move in a mighty way. And there's no way I would have seen it in any other space of my life. God had me there for a reason. And now God is like, here's the pulpit. I'm like, I'm ready for the pulpit. I don't want the pulpit. Ask JB. Every time Pastor C had to preach, I'm like, man, darn, what? Even this week, I'm like, man, I don't want the pulpit. God's like, oh, yeah, you're ready. Because when you say you ain't ready, God's like, oh, yeah, you're ready. You're ready for it all. 
everything you do, no matter how small, is your training ground. Matthew 25, verse 23 says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. See, God don't just give you many things first. Say, let me see. Let me see how, how faithful you are in this little income. Let me see how faithful you are in, in this. See, many of us pray for a raise. God's like, you can't even pay your tithe with this little income I gave you. When you are faithful in the little, God will put you in charge with the many. With the many. If I can just say one more thing about this comparison. I told y'all this was the longest part of this sermon. The apostles were ready to begin a movement and being part of the 12 at this time and you were going to change the world. Now I want you to think, being part of the 12, you're ready to change the world. Jesus has risen up to heaven and you're a part of this movement. Don't you think God would have chose people like of celebrity status? Someone who was well qualified, like engineers that would just move and touch the world. This was a movement, but no, God chose people like fishermen, tax collectors. I'm looking at, at all of their, they, if they were pretty much ordinary, how could they change the world? That's because God used what they already had. He didn't wait till they got an education. Give me what you have. I'll take care of the rest. They could have gotten caught up with their doubt, feeling ill-equipped as well. But they understood this was a movement. Being in Christ, I want you to follow because I may say something offensive. Don't get offended and be like, Paula, I didn't appreciate what you said. Take it up with the man up there. But being in Christ is a movement, not a monument. We are not posing for selfies. We are not taking a picture. We are constantly moving forward. And I want you to have that vision in mind. We are constantly moving forward. We're not a standstill. We're not monuments. This is a movement. It is a movement moving forward. We are growing. We are looking for new ways to introduce people to Christ. Now, if I can be honest, brutally honest, and I pray that you would receive this well. In my position of leadership, I am weary of people saying to me, well, when we were at WGS, things were like this. We sang like this. We walked like this. We talked like this. Our group was like, we were formed. We had this group and that group. We were walking in unity. Our church was so big. Oh, my, my. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for moments and seasons like that. I praise the Lord that there was a movement, that you had seasons of praise, that you were in a space where God grew you. But we need to keep moving forward. We need to keep moving forward. We're going to be a movement. We need to keep moving forward and start, stop comparing ourselves. I've had a few people say to me, and I, once again, don't get offended. Well, Pastor James used to do it like this. Praise the Lord for Pastor James. Praise the Lord that we don't have five people like me. Like, really, praise the Lord. Because 
everyone has something different to give. And I learn from someone else who I walk in their footsteps with. I learn from you. I grow from you. I watch you. You help me. Like sometimes too, I could be having conversations with you and my, my smile is like nice and pretty. But deep down inside in my head, I'm like, Lord, what am I going to learn in this? What am I going to learn? It takes a lot to be well seasoned and to be a leader and just being patient and just constant. Can we just grow together in a movement where we're both looking forward? We have one aim and that's just to get to the kingdom. Can we walk together? Amen. Amen. Last one. He was willing. He was willing. Ooh, Matthias did not have to be part of the selection. He could have happily declined. He was willing. He witnessed miracle after miracle. I think about him, baptism after baptism. It's like every baptism that takes place here, I feel like going into the water again. He witnessed transformation after transformation that took place. He was willing. He even watched Jesus flex his biceps. He watched Jesus puff out his chest. Not because he was boasting, because he knew that Jesus did all the heavy lifting. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just the one who carries, you know, the crumbs behind him. Jesus did all the heavy lifting for him. There was a time in which my husband would go. He was very busy. So in moments where he was available, he would go pick up the kids from school. And he, they would be so excited. When they see their daddy, they'd pick up pick them up from school they would be so excited because mom was the one that always came and having a different parent who'd like have loud music park his car and then just go out there so he would walk up and he would just flex his biceps like this to them and that didn't mean that he was showing them his muscles it just meant that it was a limb for them to swing back and forth on so they'd come out of the closet, and he'd go like this, and one kid would be right here, and he'd just swing them back and forth, and he'd have the other kid right here, and just swing them back and forth, and all the other kids looked on, like they wanted to be part of this bicep swing. So as he went home, the kids told, hey, dad, you know, my, my friend says, oh, you're so buff, you know, like, your muscles are so big, and my husband's like, oh, yeah? The next day... He came to school with like cut up tank top, like to really show his muscles. And he comes and he pulls up those biceps and they're just swinging. And he invited even all the kids to come, to come and swing on his biceps. And it made me think, wow, that's all God has to do is see someone else enjoy his goodness. And then other people will ask, man, I, I want part of that. That's the kind of God we have. He, he doesn't have to physically show his biceps to you. He already did that. You know how God flexes muscles? He sent his son. That's how he flexes muscles. He sent his son to die for us. Even if he didn't even want to do it. He had to. Coming up to our last point. I think about Matthias. Now, I want you to think, too, if the pianist can play. I want you to think back to the three years here that you have been here in church, in your life. 
And I think about Matthias. It's been over three years that he has followed Jesus and he has been selected for this special selection to be part of this apostles. Think about the past three years of, is it possible to even have a pain-free life for three years? Like I want you to think back in your life. It sounds easy that from the time Jesus was baptized to the time he was resurrected and to the time he was ascended up to heaven, it sounds easy to know that Matthias followed Jesus. Like it just had to be one person that was here throughout this time. Okay, Matthias. But it had to have been hard for him. Like I think of Matthias' life and I even think about our own life. It's like, did he suffer depression at any of those times? Even if he did, his desire was to follow Jesus. Did he even lose faith? Did people betray him? Did he lose his job, get his car impounded, whatever it may be? Did he feel as if he couldn't even walk? Those things didn't even matter. Matthias had one desire and it was just to wake up and follow Jesus. Did he get a divorce? Did he bury his child? Did he grieve the loss of his parents? Did he grieve the loss of his friends? It didn't matter because Matthias had one thing in mind. He was going to wake up and follow Jesus. I'm pretty sure there were moments where he just sat in his bed debating where he should get out. He couldn't stand the sunlight. There were people who followed Jesus too that he just couldn't face. There were things in his life, maybe there were things in his life that he just couldn't forgive. It didn't matter. Matthias had one thing in mind. He says, I'm going to get up and I'm going to follow Jesus. Maybe he hadn't heard from his kids in such a long time. Maybe his son just left the church and the weight was too hard to bear. He's like, I just can't follow Jesus today. He just reunited a man with his daughter. Yet my daughter's still out there. His desire was to get up and follow Jesus. Oftentimes, things, roadblocks, whatever it may be, can ruin our focus of following Jesus. What an example Matthias is. It's like I drew, drew this whole conclusion. This, this is my life. Like, could I honestly wake up? Like, there was a time and season in my life where I just quit ministry for a whole year. I'm like, I can't serve you, Lord. My house is a mess. I can't follow you. I got to take care of my home. There was a season even too where I lost my sister. I'm like, I can't follow you today. I can't stand up there and preach. I don't have no word to give. I need someone to fill me up. Every morning, battling depression, standing up, praying out to God, wondering why he hasn't answered. Those things didn't matter to Matthias. He just stood up and followed Jesus. Before he even thought it, God delivered it. Whatever is the question, Lord, my answer is yes. 
Can we honestly say that? Whatever is the question, my answer is yes. Brianna, you're going to go through some stuff now. And that's not to say that following Jesus will be the worst decision of your life because that is a phrase that no one has ever said. But oh, it's going to create moments where you're just going to walk side to side with God and be grateful for those moments. It's going to open your eyes to new opportunities, to new people. God's going to reveal some stuff through you. Like there's going to be some stuff in your life that's going to reveal some ugliness. That's all God. He just wants it to come out so you can see him more. I reflect back in. There's been some grief in our family, in our church, in our own personal family in the past year. And grief can look anything from a relationship. It can be anything from a job, whatever it may be. Our desire, no matter what, is to still follow Jesus. It may be hard, but he gonna give you strong knees to bear it. It's gonna be heavy on your back, but he gonna strengthen that back too. You may want to pack all your suitcases with all those things. God is like, oh, you don't need that. That's why you're back hurting. Release it all. God's like, I got you. There were two words that he said to every disciple when he chose them. Follow me. Simple. Follow me. Follow me. We have been going through baptism after baptism and um, I never want to end a word or a message without a calling or an invitation or perhaps just a recommitment maybe you want me to pray for you whatever it may be eyes closed heads bowed whatever it may be let's surrender it together to him if that is your prayer, lift your hand up. I want to pray for you. I want to walk with you. Here at Relove, we want to do life with you. We are in this thing together. We are all in the same gang, journeying to the kingdom. If that is your request, raise your hand. If you're online and you desire to recommit, to be baptized, to have Bible studies, whatever it is, Write it in the chat and I will connect with you personally. With eyes closed and heads bowed, let us pray. Father God, oh, the joy and desire to be like Matthias, to just get up and follow you. Sounds easy, but Lord, allow our desire to follow you to be stronger and the thoughts that run through our mind. I pray for everyone within this room. I pray for our online community. Whatever weight that they have, that they bear, that they would surrender those things to you and acknowledge who you are. You are provider, Jireh, Jehovah. You are 
Alpha and Omega. You are a refuge. You are a shelter in the time of storm. You are our safe place, our hiding place. And so we thank you, Lord, that your ear is always open and your arms are always open to receive us. So we love you, Lord. And when everything is said and done, may we always remember to give you the glory and honor you so deserve. We thank you. We love you. Amen.